All right, because three is a crowd. I'm here today once again from the barn. Mm-hmm. Kelly's in Portland. I still cannot get this intro correct. <laughs> How's it going today, Kelly? Uh, it's good. Today is good. Uh, I don't know, man. This weekend, for the first time in forever, I don't feel super stressed out. Like I got married, you know that. So that's. I uh, that, see that's that breaking news. <laughs> everyone bought a house, yeah. got married. I mean, the pictures look yes, freaking adorable. Station made me a little vest. We just went to Cathedral Park, which is beautiful. And then uh, my dog got discriminated against at daycare. She wasn't allowed to go to daycare. I know. Garbage. I heard. So uh, we had to bring her with us, yeah. which worked out fine because she was great. We didn't have to bring the the one that is uncontrollable, the the uh, yes. nuisance Chihuahua. She got to go to daycare. The monster. But, yeah. So that was. <laughs> Why was why was June uh, discriminated? I, well, because she's a pit bull, but like it's never been an issue before because she's a a mix, and so she's got a little bit of a wrinkly face. So sometimes people that are really cool will let it slide because they're like, yeah, we'll pretend she's a sharp egg. We don't care. She's super nice, right? Like, it's never been an issue. And we've gone to two different pet smarts in the past, never an issue because everyone is cool. But it is explicitly in their policy that they don't allow pit bulls, any bully breeds, right? So no English bulldogs, no American bulldogs, no Rottweilers, no Doberman pinchers, no pit bulls. Uh, so I went to take them to the pet smart right next to our house. They finally reopened. I thought it'd be no problem, and the lady. He was like, uh, it says she's a Sharpay here. And I was like, yep, looks like she's definitely mixed with something. What is she mixed with? I was like, I'm not really at liberty to say that. And she's like, because <laughs> she, she really looks like a pit bull. And I was like, eh, well, I don't know. Never been an issue before. So she's like, yeah, I, can't, I won't let her in. Uh, because people lose their jobs over this. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, that might be true, though. Fuck, I mean, I don't know who would ever find out, but like. Yeah, no, I mean, I do get it, because all it takes is one person to walk by the window where all the dogs are like, oh my God, there's a pit bull in there who's totally fine and having fun and being a great dog. Ah, crisis. So. Who wouldn't even hurt a fly. Couldn't hurt a fly. Couldn't do it. I mean, sucks. Well, I'm glad she was there because in the photos, she's, it's great. She's so cute. So it needed to happen. So thanks, PetSmart. Your policies uh, created a great memory. But yeah, anyway. And kept Winnie away. So. We got a lot of work done on the trailer. The wall is a wall again, which is fantastic. We got all the floor ripped up. Just bought the new flooring yesterday, so that'll be put in next weekend. Try to dig holes for the fence. Kendra and her boyfriend came over to help. Uh, pretty eh, half successful. Like two holes of 19 are all the way dug. Uh, the other ones are in various states of, of dugness, and then uh, two could not be dug at all. So uh, I bought a, a pickaxe. Uh, and that's the only real option is to, because it's all rock. It's all rock. I live in rock world. It's terrible. Uh, so the only way to do it is old school railroad style. Just fucking hit it with a pickaxe oh, until everything's broken up in yeah. a shovel. Or I just realized I could get a jackhammer, which I think is what I'm going to do. Ooh. Well, because we rented the auger. We actually we got the auger, which the guy was refusing to do on his own. And it worked OK for some of the holes. But just like there's too much rocks. You can't you have to break up the rocks. So um, I, I used the pickaxe for a little bit. I like fell on my ass because the pickaxe got stuck in the rock and I went to yank it out and it just like flew backwards. I was like, fucking hell. So I was like, all right, this got to be a better way. So I think I'm going to rent a jackhammer at some point. But that's, you know, the fence is not going to get done before my mom gets here. That's fine. At least the trailer will be done. That's really all that matters. Anyway, how are you? I, we live together. We've, we've known each other for almost 10 years now. There's more action in this like seven months that I leave than I we've ever, I, I ever had, ever, period. Just <laughs> end of sentence. So yeah. crazy. So yeah, it's just like constantly like, oh, 
I could help with a fence. Oh God, I'm here. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm we're at the end of this thing. I got two more months to go. You know, for me, it's just familial duty. It's you know, you have the same thing. Your mom's about to come. It's like. On some level, I you know, I set out to do this. I said I was going to do it. I'm following through on the whole thing. People are constantly, and I mean constantly, sabotaging me and sabotaging <laughs> everything that we've worked for. And um, and it, it's really infuriating. And um, you know, family is the best, and family is the worst. And it's that's just the reality of it. And I just feel like I've my brain is done. I'm just done with sabotage i'm just done with sabotage it's all <laughs> so kind of stressful but we do have something to talk about because we're not obsessed with like the four things we're allowed to care about um weirdly enough we have another interest and that interest is uh, a little guy named bob dylan have you heard just of him? a little guy <laughs> this is this is not a podcast about marriage this is not a podcast about augers yeah not yet but soon <laughs> or jackhammers hell yeah, yeah that'd be awesome i have never used a jackhammer that would be Seems amazing intense. uh it does seem intense, just like this podcast is intense. <laughs> Kelly and I listened to a random song of Bob Dylan. It's not really random now because we're in our music video month, uh, which is almost ending. We're, we're four episodes in. And we at the end of the week, we get together and we talk about it and we make a public playlist and we'll talk about all that stuff today. I have been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the number of touchdowns that George Reed of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders held as a career record from 1963 to 1975 until he was surpassed by Mitt Stiegel in July of 2007. Okay, Canadian Football League shit does not count. Blood in my eyes. That is not a real record. I went back home, put on my time, don't get that girl that money will buy. Blood in my eyes for you. Hey, hey, babe, I got blood in my eyes. All right, Kelly, we spent the entire week listening to, I mean, dare I say, the, the, the great. It's a good, I think it's a great song. I don't, I'm curious to know what you think, but um, we spent the week listening to Blood in My Eyes from 1993. There is no real context except for the big ones the mississippi shakes but bob recorded this in his garage in 1993 may of 93 he's performed the song two times which we will talk about and i think it behooves us to talk about the mississippi shakes but before we even get into that would you how was your week with this and making a fence and getting married and <laughs> again a weird a weird uh a weird song for your a marriage week you know yeah weird i know uh it's it's really good it's really good. I like it a lot. I lyrically, I'm excited to talk about because I don't, I don't know how I feel about the lyrics. But I mean, it's just Bob and a guitar with a lot of reverb. Sounds great. And we know, I mean, it's basically a cover uh, of the Mississippi Sheiks, and Bob is not a stranger to the Sheiks. We will talk about them multiple times. Um, not only is the name of the record based on this, but also he does sit on top of the world, which is maybe their most famous song and a very famous song. I think it's in like the. Grammy and Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, just like the song itself. So we'll talk about that when we get to it. Uh, the Sheiks, who they are and all that kind of stuff. But suffice to say, they're, they're definitely incredibly influential for Bob Dylan's generation. And listening to them, like as a fan of Bob and like wanting to know what he uh, got into, I fell in love with the Sheiks. I love, I loved listening to them the first time. They were one of the earliest like influences by Bob that I ever listened to. So um, it is a cover of I've Got Blood in My Eyes for You. So Bob changed the title of it. It was recorded, uh, their version was recorded in October uh, 24th and 25th of 1931, and it was released in May of 1932. It sounds great. 
uh, if I do say so myself. Bob Dylan, inside of the liner notes for World Gone Wrong, writes about each artist, each song that he does. And here they are. Get ready, Kelly. Strap yourself in. Blood in My Eyes is one of two songs done by the Mississippi Sheiks, a little-known de facto group who in their former glory must have been something to behold. Rebellion against routine seems to be their strong theme. All their songs are raw to the bone and are faultlessly made for these modern times, the new dark ages. Nothing a feat about the Mississippi Sheiks, which I do like that rhyme. That's a good rhyme. Nothing a feat? A feat, so like feminine, right? Uh, Right? I mean, that's what I think. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, they're strong. Something, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the B-side to this in 1932 was a song called The World is Going Wrong, which I think we recognize as the name of the record. And he does cover them. The war- he changed the title to World Gone Wrong and covered them later. So we'll talk about the Sheiks multiple more times. I was out this morning feeling blue. I said a good-looking girl, can I make love with you? Hey, hey, babe, I've got blood in my eyes for you. I've got blood in my eyes for you. I've got blood in my eyes for you, baby. I don't care what in this world you do. Uh, all right, Kelly, we, I mean, just to not belabor the point here, um, taking the Mississippi Sheiks in mind as well, along with our versions, we listened to three different versions. Did you have a favorite? And specifically, what did you think of the original version before we talk about the two live ones? I preferred the studio version, I think, as, as my favorite, okay. just because it's like a really melancholy song. And it's, it's like in that perfectly like melancholy way is the only way I can describe it, where it's not sad necessarily, yeah. but it's just like, I don't know. It's like this tender. Really nice People call feeling. it tender. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty straightforward blues song, but I tried to play it and it's it's only four chords. Um but it, like the rhythm was really interesting and trying to it's just like a mo- couple modified chords it's just like g c f and a, like a c sus two weird chord it's not hard but i couldn't do it i don't know yeah. i like i really tried but it's for just a, it's a deceivingly simple song um yeah. it's, and it's really effective and for being over 5 minutes I didn't feel like it dragged at all. It just it sounded really good. His voice sounded really good, too, in the studio recording. Just, like, it all melded together really well. And also, like, yeah. the little cough at the very end. Just, like... See, okay, I wanted to talk about that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the cough is something I didn't even really pick up on, mainly because of the syncing. Like, I mean, for Spotify, for me, I, I bleed the songs into five seconds. So if you do oh, that, right. you're not going to catch the cough. But sure enough, there is the cough. And, yeah, I thought that was uh, really interesting. I mean, I, I think of Jack O'Rowe just because that was our last World Gone Wrong. It was only a couple episodes ago and kind of the same sort of vibe. I definitely like this better than that. I think it's just a better song. But there's also less of the lore, right? I mean, with Jack O'Rowe, there was like a thousand different versions. This one, sure. it's pretty cut and dry. This is the song. This is what we're doing. Um, as to the cough and just kind of the whole thing about the song, I really like Michael Gray as normal here. Uh, he talks about elevating the Sheik's version, basically changing it like that and making it tender and a little bit softer instead of kind of the raucous, you know, fun time we have with them. So I like that. It makes the two totally listenable because they're so different. But he says that Dylan has, quote, gained by gaining middle age, the ability to sing so sour an adult a love song without it either ringing false or glamorizing the unglamorously cynical as the as a more youthful performer, a more youthful Dylan would surely do. His version stalks around with predatory, looping menace, its quiet, unhurried, unstoppability, sinister, and brooding. 
the terrible calm of the guitar work enacted some old twisted animals implacable yeah. place. Yeah. Early on, it even halts altogether for a moment, a moment in which anything might happen and then simply resumes the hunt. And then about the cough, Michael Gray again gushed about that. He says, and then what do we hear? A cough, quote, like an old man, like an old lion who has choked on his food. It's a vividly imagined, powerful performance. And as a reading of the Sheik song, indisputably up there at the creative end of song interpretation. I definitely didn't have that kind of metaphorical imagery for the cough. It was just all it did for me was make it feel more live. Right. It just made it feel more authentic. Is Bob playing the guitar and sing? Like, is this all one cut? I believe so. Yeah, that's. Yeah. That's great because I mean the the guitar playing is really fluid and consistent. Like it, he that's a really apt description that Michael Gray had right there because it does feel unrelenting, yeah. but not in a bad way, not in like a annoying, yeah. oppressive kind of way that some of his songs can be, <laughs> sure. uh, especially longer ones. But it was just like really nice and just he kept the tempo. True. He didn't really mess, drop any chords or notes, and his voice didn't break or like just nice, just a really nice concise song and. Uh, I did not think of him as a lion. I just thought of it like, um, well, Well, that's that's done. done Move on to the next one. Yeah, no, and I think his vocal delivery is gorgeous. And I think it's one of, I I don't know if one of my, I mean, saying it's one of my favorites is uh, that doesn't really mean much to me anymore. But online, a lot of people, you know, out of nowhere are just like, yeah, this is my favorite Bob Dylan, you know, just vocal performance. I'm like, okay. I mean, I, I get it. (laughs) You know, I mean, this is definitely a unique era of his voice and, I mean, we don't have the best output with it. I mean, just cover stuff like this um, because it does kind of change even when 1997 when we get to um, Time Out of Mind. So this is very unique and it's weird that we only get, you know, 20 covers, you know, as part of the output of this time. So I guess you just take what you can get. And I think it's beautiful. I think his voice sounds great. I wish that he was making more what he would make only a couple of years later. But we also listened to him play live, which again, he played live this whole time. The never ending tour is in full swing. We're two years into it. Well, four years into it at this point, 1992, 93. We listened to two from the supper club, the same as Jack O'Reilly, just like Jack O'Reilly. It was premiered here and it died here. We never returned to the song again. He's only played it twice. Hmm. What do we think about the two? Did you have a preference? Now they're both one minute difference between the two. Which one did you prefer? Out of the two. See, I found them strikingly similar. I know there was a minute extra, but I musically it was pretty pretty the same. They did, they didn't vary it enough that it was striking. The biggest thing for me, uh, the first night, uh, well, both of them have the same thing in common that it, it sounds more like the Sheik's version in that it's def- definitely like happier, like jauntier. I mean, with, with the Sheik's, you have that fiddle in there, and as soon as you bring that in, it just like kind of colors it in a way that's I don't know. It makes me feel like. Old-timey cartoons yeah, or totally, something. Totally. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so this certainly has, like, because there's like 8 million guitars and we got the drums and, and everything. There is a point uh, in the first night at 2 minutes and 20 seconds, in case anyone wants to hear mm. exactly what I'm talking about, uh, where all three, at least I think there's three guitars, are playing the same uh, ascending chord that dun 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 yeah. dun dun. At the, they're all playing it <laughs> at the exact same time, and either the tone on the clean electric guitar is like disgusting, or one of those guitars is not in tune because it sounded so bad. It's like this cacophony of just like like oh it's so bad it's like nauseating something about it is off someone's not in tune or that tone is just like should never be used again 
Either way, it sounds terrible. And then when they did it the second night, it didn't sound so okay. bad. So I'm assuming it was that somebody was just like a little bit out of tune, enough that it's like when you have three people playing the same exact chords over each other, it's really noticeable. When he's doing his own stuff, who's ever got that clean electric guitar doing their own thing, it's, it's fine. But when you have a direct comparison, it's just like, Ugh. uh So I would say I, I like the second night only because that wasn't in it. Uh, but they're really similar to me. I couldn't really, uh, other than some extra noodling, I don't really know that's, what else And that's, happen. I think, the thing. It's the same with Jack O'Rell, where we talked about that too, where both versions are the same and yet different. Like, that's kind of how I feel with this, where it's not a marked difference, um, except there are things that are definitely different. But but yeah, it's, it's more of like a weird feel because there are moments where it sounds and the tempo and the pacing is exactly the same on the second night from the first night. But if the first night is like our, baseline the 416 you know the four minute long one instead of the five minute long one mm. that next one though has an outro it's got like a more of a musical interlude and he's doing the like now very dylan of our era rat-a-tat-tat like the um the verses like he'll just like throw them all in oh yeah and then yeah the vocal it. phrasing <laughs> is different on the second night for right sure. so i think that there, yeah. there's that so i mean that instantly like whoa that's different but then i'm like god damn is it really like slower i'm like maybe it's like slightly slower but that's not how music works so i'm like it's not slower my brain is saying it is based on what dylan's doing but then they definitely play some more you know music and the and you know they've got the, that crazy moment too which i feel like goes on longer which I liked. I mean, I didn't. I didn't hate it. It was not grating to me. I don't even notice any of that shit. I'm just like, yeah, punk rock. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, if it did sound grating, I would have been like, yes, more grating. Make me feel uncomfortable. I'm fine with I that. Um, but yeah, just to, just for the final time. I mean, at least for probably this season, we might not get another one um, for the Supper Club. But Bob Dylan is on vocals and guitar. Obviously, Bucky Baxter is the one on that steel guitar and the electric slide guitar as well. Uh, John Jackson also on guitar. So you're right. There's three guitars going. Tony Garnier, of course, on bass. And Winston uh, Winston Watson is on drums. So that, that is our team. And they kill it. I mean, I really like them. I think I like... I think I like the second night better than all the rest of them, just because it made me constantly think. And I like the Dylan of old and the new one where he kind of just spits out the words. Like it's a weird combination of all different types of Dylans. And I'm into that. So. It certainly been both versions benefited from that bass line. I mean, it's really simple and repetitive because there's only the couple chords. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a nice like bluesy walking line a little bit. It just I don't know. Anytime you fill out the low end like that, it just feels a little nicer. But yeah. I certainly prefer the studio version for the like at the feeling of it, uh, that the melancholy feeling versus this where it's just like a kind of blues rock generic thing yeah and the, and the record i mean the whole thing world gone wrong has that feeling the whole way through so i mean that and jack Row are the two we've done and like they're well and um Sack of Lee. so oh god we've already done three from the record so there you go um but yeah Sack, Sack of Lee, i guess not so sad but you know the, even the tuning on the guitar is different i feel like between that and good as i've been to you which was his other acoustic one from the year before in 92 so you know we'll get to it more as we get into it but instead of going into because the song is actually better than what we've done over the last couple of weeks, we, we, we saved the music video for last because it was kind of our last ditch effort to fill time. But I don't feel that way today. The song, I think, is a little bit better than I was going to give it credit for when we started. So I want to talk about the music video. Probably my favorite outside of maybe Tight Connection to My Heart. 
Be- right, but for the wrong reasons, right? Like, this is a legitimately enjoyable it's video. It's en- legitimately enjoyable. Whereas Take an Action My Heart is like the, the room style. It's insane. It's so bad. You can't look away. <laughs> and we've seen a lot of compilations next week. We're going to delve back into it. Um, unfortunately, that's kind of where we're at now. I mean, we're like I said, we're at the, the death knell of the music video. But Bob really doesn't have that many. He's got some cool stuff. The Joker Man one is cool. But there's not a narrative. Mm. There's not a story. That's just not what he was doing. And when he does do a story like when the night comes falling from the sky, it's garbage. When he does like last week with uh, emotionally yours, terrible, you know, but this one, you cannot fault, like put Bob Dylan in a top hat and have him walk around and leather gloves, leather gloves. And so, I mean, just before we get into it, um, Promo video filmed by Dave Stewart of the Eurythmics. So he's he's obviously collaborating. We've talked about Dave Stewart like four times now this year. We've never talked about him ever before. Um, but yeah, so Dave Stewart is here. Um, he's I think he's directing it, if I believe. I think he might have even worked. Yeah, I think he worked on the last one we did. No, unbelievable. I think he did. Um, so Streets of Camden, London is where he's at. It, uh, oh, okay. July 1993. I was curious. Um, yeah, per Michael Gray, he said, this is one of, um, one of the few Dylan videos that's any good. Aptly... For the era of the song, it's shot in black and white, and Dylan walks around like a New Orleans undertaker, complete with a black top hat. He and surely does. I fucking love it. I, I don't know what's more unsettling, when he looks at the camera or when he doesn't look at the camera. Mm-hmm. Like, both are creepy in different ways. Like, Joker Man, where he's looking into your soul, very uncomfortable. But this, also, where he can't look at the camera for some reason, he just, like, cannot look at the camera, is also a little weird. Uh, but it makes it more haunting. So there, this this video is really interesting because at points I'm like, oh, wow, he's kind of a dick because he's like not paying it. People are literally talking to him and he's just <laughs> staring off in the distance and singing while they're talking to him. Not cool. But then other points I'm like, he kind of feels like a frail old dude. Like he's kind of like a weirdo little grandpa that can't focus. You know, like sometimes when people get older and they're losing their hearing, my mom will do this sometimes too, where you know they're not really paying attention because they Mm -hmm. can't actually hear you, but they'll pretend and nod along. And he's like, he's doing that in parts too, which makes me feel like he's like a little old dude. And it's like, that's strange too. But then to see him interact with fans with his fucking top hat and his gloves is all, I don't know. It's really neat. It's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I fucking love this video. I I just I really 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 love this video. And not only that, but the cover uh, of of World Gone Wrong is him sitting underneath that amazing, you know, uh, painting at the table. You know, where he was talking to a couple. Mm-hmm. Of, fucking what kind of location? Beautiful shit. I mean, honestly, if they just found that that day and like shot it there and took the photo along with the video, struck gold. I mean, that photo and that and that cover is brilliant. Um, yeah, I mean, I felt like Bob Dylan was a person. For the first time. Now, at first, yeah. my first instinct was he is not a person because of exactly what you were saying. When we start, we start hard and we start bad because Bob Dylan is not <laughs> listening to people. He gets right up in some girl's face. So for a moment, yeah. I was like, oh, he's just going to like be a ghostly presence, get into people's faces and say words and lyrics. And then it like they just dropped that all together. And it was just I'm Bob Dylan. I'm having fun. I said, uh, yeah, he it reminds me of a person. So I'm like, this is great. Uh, hats. These are all my bullet points that I was writing as I did this. <laughs> Hats can be hard. He keeps adjusting his hat, and that feels very true to life for me. That's very nice. Uh, Dylan and dogs. We love dogs. We saw a dog for five seconds. There's good photos I out know. there with the dog, too. So they got a bunch of photos with it. Uh, if dogs were in free vibes, that's what I thought. It, but he's on a leash, so he's not very free. Uh, I want to say the lip syncing genuinely is great. We critique mm, yeah. a lot what he's doing because, again, 
he's either playing the music live and he's playing insanely a different version than what they're going to play because they obviously are going to pipe in the real album mix, but he is right, there. With like emotionally yours. Not, not, that was not the guitar. Absolutely. Not that the is, guitar in the song. The, and also probably yeah. just a different tempo. Like he just changes it because he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. So we've critiqued them a lot for that, but this is great. Everything seemed mm-hmm. right. Uh, they were outside playing a little thing. I'm sure they played the song out there as well. Cause there's a shot of them singing and, uh, the guitar player oh, with right, him yeah. is playing. So I'm sure they played a version of that too. Cause they got him singing the chorus on that too. So they looked good. So they probably did a pretty faithful version t- uh, to it, which I really like. Um, I love when he puts his arm around his friend and they walk around. I thought that was really sweet. I'm like, Oh, Bob Dylan, you're a real person. Uh, I love the autographs talking to randos. He fucking juggles. We cannot understate yeah. that. His obsession with motorcycles continue. I think the only reused shot was the two, the couple on the back with the motorcycle. So I don't know what was up with that. And he's incredibly awkward when he tries to drink what is either water or gin. I mean, what an uncomfortable like moment. Something, you know, I'm just reminded of the Donald Trump thing where he's like, oh, I can drink water. And it's like, yeah, drinking water is weird, I guess. Maybe we're all just do it a little bit differently. It is it is maybe just a strange thing because he's not good at it. I just want to say that. So, um, but I but I want the best part about this is the people on the street. I love him walking down the street. That is a very relatable our lifetime music video thing, um, putting the pop star amongst the commoners, like that kind right. of vibe has definitely been done before. Although I can't think of any examples of it off the top of my head. I definitely know. Well, there's the, we went over Bittersweet Symphony. That's what I just um, was which thinking. Which was actually, yeah. And then, uh, which was actually, God damn it, it's not Portishead. It's the other. Oh, oh, ugh. oh, oh. Um, yeah, no. Uh, Mezzanina's, I yes. think is the name of the yes. album. Oh my God. Oh my God. Massive attack. Right. Walking through the thing. Yeah. There's probably tons more examples of that too. But I mean, even with that, there's like a story element. This one is like no story. We're just walking around, which is kind of amazing. And I just kept thinking, how cool would it be to run into fucking Bob Dylan on a July in Camden, London? Like, I mean, it would just be so much fun. I wonder how, I imagine that a lot of these were legitimate organic interactions, right? That were they just like after the fact got waivers and stuff, right? Like we just say. They might not have even done that back then. Do you think? I mean. I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think Bob Dylan's doing waivers. Yeah. I think he'd be like, that's too much work. Fuck it. We'll just go to a studio and I'll just sit around and do some crap. I think that they just did it on the fly and are going to get away with it because it's Bob fucking Dylan. I mean, that's genuinely what I, if I were going to guess, that's what I would think. But you might be right. I mean, they probably have people in the end that do stuff, but there was nobody really on there for a long time. I do have a question for you, though. There are people all over here in 1993. We were we children at this point. Mm-hmm. Everyone's popping out with this fucking book. To get this autograph book, have you? Do you? Did you ever have an autograph book? Did you ever do anything like that? No, but that was such a pop culture thing. Like every every movie that came out around this time, there was always somebody who ran into a celebrity that had an autograph book. I'm like, yeah, no, man, that is not. Nope, that was never in my. I had a Pokemon card book. Uh, not sure. the same. Not the same. No, not at all. <laughs> Unless you ran into the creator of Pokemon. That's the thing, too. It's like if I ran into the creator of Pokemon with my Pokemon books, yeah, let's put two and two together. Yeah. But if I met Bob Dylan on the street, I I mean, I would do what some people aggressively did in this video, which is like jump off a sidewalk, get right in his face with oh, a yeah. fucking camera and take a photo. And I'm like, now we look down on that because all of us have cameras on our phones. So, you know, now it's like you can just get away with like a sly creep shot. Right. Or even yes. like a good Instagram story afterwards and be like, hey, guys, I fucking met Shaq. Like, that's how we do things now. And that's right. like totally fine. You know, because you just want to kind of remember it. Like, that's the whole point of it, I guess, is just remembering. And now you can just be like, take a photo of your face and say, 
the night I met Shaq, you know? And it's like, okay, well, you I'll have never to have <laughs> a certain amount of planning and a very specific goal to come with the book. The thing is, like, if you ran into Bob Dylan on the streets of, of Camden when you were not expecting it, no. you are not going to have that book ready unless you're a very specific type of person or you are that specific type of person who is hunting these people down. Which, which is, is scary. makes the most sense. It is creepy, but it makes the most <laughs> sense. Like, only a certain person's going to have that book because they anticipate hunting down their celebrities to fill this book up. Otherwise, you're like, ah, shit, I don't have anything to sign. Sign my hat. I don't know, man. I know. Which, I, like, I'm sure people do. Or it's like, sign this scrap of paper, and then I'm going to put right. this scrap into a book, which maybe, I mean, maybe if you just that happen to, like, meet a bunch of famous people and, and you know, you put it all. It, maybe you don't have a whole book, but sign this napkin. Sign yeah. this menu. And then you just, like, put okay. it in a weird scrapbook that becomes your autograph book, I guess. I don't know, man. It doesn't make any sense to me. Honestly, if I just saw Bob Dylan, I would just be like eyes bulging and blood blood will fill my eyes and I'll just be like, ah, oh, this is amazing. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. I mean, it would and be. And I'll move on. I just really hope I'm with you in that moment because you'll be like dying and I'll be like, hey, I have a couple questions for you about some things, some choices that you've Number made Number one, in the how dare you on this cord and uh, copper, copper Kettle, why did you, why did you talk about MASH? Corn mash, yeah. Exactly. Why did you cover this song? I need I need you to just actually talk about Copper Kettle for the next 10 hours. Yep. Uh, second question I have for you, Kelly, is how fast would you join Bob Dylan's army to walk over that bridge? Because I would join instantly. Instantly. I don't know. I have like a bad precedent with being drunk on bridges, so I don't really true. know. True. Well, nobody said drunk. That's I mean, true. You're, I guess, but you're going there, so. Yeah. Uh, you, so you're saying you would need to be drunk to be convinced, basically, like, eh, this Bob Dylan character, I don't know. You're I think it seven mostly, pints and like, yeah. <laughs> it mostly depends on if I was drunk. If I was drunk, I would be more likely to do it, uh, but also drunk. more likely to be injured. It mostly depends on how hot it is that day and how long the bridge is. <laughs> it is honestly. July. It's a pretty small bridge. I mean, it looks small. Yeah. Could be. So could probably be large, fine. But, I don't know. but he is wearing a full coat, a top hat, and leather gloves. So that tells me that it's maybe a little brisk, although everybody else is doing their very 90s, like crop top, high waisted jeans. Not really dressed for cold weather, so I don't know. Mm. Well, I mean, I would assume he's probably just, I mean, he probably was out there for 20 minutes. I mean, you can't imagine he did this for very long because at some points he looks miserable. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And my favorite part is really why I think that this is organic is all the people who just like genuinely are like, is that Bob Dylan? Mm. And I love some of the people passing him that are like, I don't know who Bob Dylan is. And they're just walking by him. I mean, uh, right at the end of the video, like kind of restarting where we first started with the hat, he walks out around that corner and he almost runs into this guy who's blowing his nose. And I was like, if I was the guy blowing my nose, looking down, weaving outside of Bob Dylan, like not only did you almost crash, which would have been amazing uh, and would have been instantly recut. You would have never saw it. But like imagine being that guy. Who was like, yeah. yeah, I just walked by Bob Dylan. I didn't even fucking know it. And we close basically after Bob walks by all those posters. Uh, you get this guy, this guy like looking at the camera and being like, who the fuck? What is going on? Was that Bob Dylan <laughs> that I just saw? It's bizarre, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, if you got to think, you're there's clearly a camera crew, right? So you're already walking into yeah. a weird situation. So if you're not paying attention, like, oh, my God, all these cameras, like, who's that? That must be a person. Is that fucking Bob Dylan? <laughs> is that fucking Bob? Why the fuck is he wearing a top hat? I haven't thought about Bob Dylan since 1975. You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. that's another thing, too. I mean, I guess he did sell out shows in London in the 80s. So he's still a thing. I don't want to just say he went to the basement. But but I'm sure it's a lot of that, too, where it's like, what is Bob Dylan doing in my town right now? 
what and then also what do I know about Bob Dylan because I probably haven't bought an album of his since Blood on the Tracks right so you you might be like oh my god well I kind of know Bob but I don't know much about Bob yeah anyways I I think that this was a pretty arty video in all the best ways like it never felt pretentious there were moments where you had like his face in the background and people talking and it it, it never felt weird I don't know him sitting on a train and singing the lyrics I like that because it made it feel like a music video it didn't feel like a weird art piece that just has a, the song behind it mm-hmm. it's like he actually did sing some of it. I mean, at least, you know, mime did or whatever on the video. So it's like, it is a true music video. Yeah. And that is good too. And I like that. So the kind of the ones that we've watched before that are very similar to this, which is why we have the walking down the street in the first place also cuts to actors multiple, multiple times. Right. So it's like, he's just kind of there to sing the song in the background. This is, this is all him. So I would say just because it's such a cool experiment in a multimedia kind of thing, rolling like a Rolling Stone is definitely, the, the the best video just because of what it is. But that's after the fact. That, that doesn't really count. That's more of an art project that somebody did after the fact. This is this is the most legitimate music video, music video that's the most enjoyable for not the cringe reason, for like an actual, this is a real music video for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, otherwise it's a performance, you know. You get like a little bit, like Sweetheart Like You was a good video, but you, we don't know that much. It's like, it was that was more of a good live video with like this weird element of that lady in the corner, right? So we don't really know what's going on there. I don't know. It's nice that everything kind of feels different, but I mean, the things we're looking down the barrel of, it's a lot of performance music videos. This right. might be the last one. This might be the only one where a, a sense of care like that was put into it. So, but we have a couple more to discover, and we'll have one more this year uh, to do. So. Kelly, let's instead of uh, ending the show or anything like that, let's actually talk about the song. Now, there's not a whole, 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 whole hell of a lot to talk about, but I am going to go through it. And I found a couple of cool sources and we'll just kind of like dive into the idea around it Um, because we talked about this kind of type of song a lot and where it leads. And it's not always our favorite stuff, but I do want to just like walk through the song and have ask you two major questions. So right off the bat, the song is incredibly simple. There is a a narrator. I don't know if it ever says that it's a man, but it's I. So a narrator wakes up feeling blue, sees a girl. Can I make love to you straight up? <laughs> That's fine. Get to the point. That's great. Uh, I went back home, put on my tie. Very, um, very cool. Uh, gonna get that girl. Uh, gonna get that girl that money. That money will buy. She looked at me, begins to smile, said, "Hey, hey, man, can't you wait a little while?" No, no, mama, I can't wait. You got my money. Now you're trying to break this date. I tell you something, tell you the facts. You don't want me. Give me my money back. In between that, we've got the the chorus, obviously, which is, hey, hey, babe, I got blood in my eyes for you, and then I don't care what in the world you do. That's pretty much the extent of all of our words that have been taken out and put into a context where it sounds like sentences to our ears. Kelly, what's going on in this song? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's either about a prostitute because it's like very obviously lends itself to that because you're talking about buying a date uh, or it's about a guy who feels entitled to sex because he paid for a date. Uh, like either way, it's a little bit about entitlement. Um, so yeah, I just, I don't know. It, obviously 
one colors it. I mean, they're both going to be sexist at the end of the day, but like, I don't know how uh, insidious it is, or not insidious I am in the real world, but I, I don't know how like negative, in my opinion, it is um, without more context. The, the blood in my eyes thing is really the crux of it. Like, I, I don't know what that specifically means. That's what I was going to ask you. That's one of my questions. So, yeah, let's just do that first. Like, what yeah. do you think it means? So, I immediately, in regards to our playlist, went sing red right because blood mm-hmm. red I know. and that that we almost got chevelle we almost got unwritten law Thank it was God. close it oh, was close shit. I didn't even think about that. Wow. <laughs> but seeing red <laughs> so follow the leader, leader. <laughs> yes that's song. exactly but then it was almost yep. chevelle which is worse oh um, way worse not as singable either. We're not no. singing. Well, because they're just like, so do. Right. They're I so upset. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, this sucks. I'm going to have to put all those in now, Kelly. Damn it. You're welcome. <laughs> so that's what I imagine, which means like he's mad already, right? Because that's what that mm-hmm. is. It's an expression, uh, an evocative expression to say that I'm so mad I saw red. Right. And then violent yeah. things happened. Um, well, that's that's what I think, too. Yeah. But I don't know how else you can interpret it. Do you think that there's another interpretation or it's supposed to be something else? Well, I mean, I I tend to agree that it's the anger only because we have so many examples now of kind of the blues tropes of kind of getting this is almost like a prequel to a murder ballad, you know, like in a way being denied the way that he was. You could basically open up on 3220 blues and blow her away. Right, you know what I mean? Right. So in my head. I, I lean maybe towards the violence, but I think I think sometimes we act we talk about this stuff as more of a monolith than it is. So a lot of people see it as desire, you know, kind of like an awooga moment, like blood is sure. filling your eyes and like that kind of way, which I do like, and I think that that totally works, uh, especially if you have a more subdued version of what's going on here. I think that one's the best. Um, people talk about like a clouded, it just like clouds your your judgment, your vision, right? I mean, exactly what we're saying there, where you become murderous in a sense right if the anger happens there some people think it's drugs and if you take a really kind look on this then the blood on my eyes is like bloodshot eyes and if we look upon our narrator maybe as more of a sad sack and and we believe the love that he has for the woman is reciprocated then it makes it interesting because then we have the characters clearly a sex worker saying i don't want it and he's mad he i say he but the narrator is mad because they want what they paid for. And yet she's like, but I love you. I would, I don't want to do that. And he's like, fuck mm. you. I paid for it. I want my money back, you know? So I don't know. That's, that's a more nicer version, right? Because if she's saying no, because of the drugs, like I don't want to have sex with you on drugs. Cause mm. I love you. Interesting. I don't know. That one's a little weirder or it could just be tears. I mean, painful tears, you know, sure. sad. I mean, that's kind of the other thing. I think it's just, it's like a deep metaphor for, Oh, I, I'm such a sad boy. <laughs> I've been I crying. My eyes are red. Exactly. Bob Dylan actually used blood in my eyes. Um, well, actually, two two more points to it. Michael Gray gives us a couple examples of blood in my eyes in pre-war blues that Bob Dylan could have picked up on. We've got them both on our playlist. Uh, Hungry Wolf by J.T. Funny Paper Smith and Bill Gaither's 1939 Bloody Eyed Woman. Now, those get a little, I mean, that one especially gets a little more violent. So that takes the violent. And that, that I think, has colored my version of this song for so long is... That is just going to lead to violence. Um, but Bob Dylan actually used this in his book as well, in Chronicles. Um, he, when he talked about his friend Ray Gooch, 
Uh, he said, quote, there is something special about him. He had blood in his eyes, the face of a man who could do no wrong, total lack of viciousness or wickedness or even sinfulness in his face. He looked like a man who could conquer and command any time that he wished to. Ray was mysterious as hell. People would agree because consensus is that Ray Gooch never existed. He was a completely made up person <laughs> in the man's autobiography. So, nice. but yeah, that's blood in my eyes. The only other thing that I can think is with the prostitution or uh, sex worker vibe. I mean, I'm totally with you. And I read a great article by a writer. His name is Jeff Suick, S-U-W-E-K, that I'll put in the show notes. He wrote a piece about why he loves this song. I've never thought that much about the song at all. But he said, it's really interesting. So he has three points. Point number one is that Dylan fans pretend that this is not a song about a prostitute. It's not about sex work. It's not about any of that. Because Bob Dylan apparently is some sort of like paragon of upstanding morality. Sure, sure. Uh, and, and they haven't seen Pretty Woman, so they can't imagine that something like this could happen. So that's number one. They pretend that it doesn't happen. Number two, Point number two, good or bad, not discussing the merits of this, sex workers are vilified in our society, as are the people paying for sex. We can probably all agree on that. Uh, whether that's good or bad does not matter. And part number three is that it's hard with that number two in mind to remember that they are human beings and that life is weird and strange. I like the way that he writes about the melancholy of the of the singer that Bob Dylan I think brings out pretty well, but also the 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 little details of putting on the tie to impress her, right. um, the longing like that's such a human thing, longing, desire, being rejected, and it's still open to interpretation what this character is going to do. Like we have no indication that they're going to go and murder the entire world. Like right. this could just be like any other heartbreak that just like really sucks to take. And with all of that in mind. I like what he says about it being a portrait of of a relationship and that it, it compli- it's a complicated one because I think most people are not Johns and most people are not sex workers. And it is something that is sort of like hushed, hushed, don't talk about it in our society. So when you have a song about it, it kind of brings out that kind of feeling in a lot of us where we're like, we want to be more altruistic and, you know, just state our what we think. But I thought a lot about when I was reading this, I thought about our other podcast, Kelly, on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we talked about sex bots and sex dolls. And I think that this is exactly like that. I mean, it's not something that we would engage in. It's not something that we necessarily understand. But there's no denying that there are people who do it. And there's no denying that people pay for sex. All those things are real. And it doesn't just invalidate them completely is what I was thinking. But I find that really a hard thing to kind of keep in mind when I'm listening to a a, a five-minute Bob Dylan song. And I, I really appreciated that because I didn't think about it on that level at all. But the anger for me, I get more angry at the ones that like you, you know, we're just going to go shoot the woman for being a woman. Cause they'd be shopping, right. you know, that one, that one's way harder to deal with. This one is really great and crafted well and in ambiguous in my opinion. So I kind of like it. I would think my, I think that my opinion of this song, like my complete real final answer opinion is, is that it's, it's not a, a prostitute. I think it, it's just a, a girl who's maybe in a different class than the the narrator who's like the the money can buy whatever right like so it's like I need I need to dress up I need to do whatever so that she likes me um, there's still obviously an element of entitlement because he guys like hey I paid for your dinner 
why aren't you putting out, which is like not a great look. But I think that that's probably for me, it seems like the most genuine read. Uh, I mean, you could you could do the sex work thing because it's so on the nose, but I, I because it is so on the nose, I feel like that's not it. I think it's just like some guy's bummed out. He's crying because he thought they had something and he thought he was going to get laid and then he didn't and he got really sad. I, I think that's what it is. And like, like, I don't even care about you anymore. I'm just bummed because I did all this shit. I dressed up really nice. I bought you dinner and it still didn't work out. And this sucks, yeah. man. And But we don't know what comes after that. Are, is it a murder ballot or is it not? Right. And that's, I think, the biggest question. Without knowing more, we, I don't think, can really think about that. But but I think it is a good a good gateway to like thinking about. I mean, it's a, it is a classic blues trope and it's a way to think about blues songs that are, you know, made in from a very different time than what we live in and trying to kind of put those two together. Like here are the tropes. Here's what they talk about. These kind of things are not acceptable today. How do you, how do you do those two things? And I don't know, make it relevant, right? That's kind of what we try to do here. It, you know, is by making it about sex workers and John's, Probably not what it was totally intended to be about, but like, does that make it a better song for us today? You know, and and I guess we'll ask that question in five seconds. But the final thing I want to bring up is that there is one verse because this is a, a shot for shot remake by Bob Dylan. There's one verse that he did not take. And I don't know if you already know it, but I would give money to have Bob Dylan sing this line. And I understand why he didn't, because it definitely makes no sense 60 years later from him. And it makes no sense. One, almost 100 years for us. The final line of the Sheik's version goes like this. It ain't no need of getting roused in your jaws. You ain't going to get none of my Santa Claus. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Uh, we, I think we I know. I think we know what the euphemism is, but secretly. I think this might be a Christmas song. <laughs> we might need to put this on our I Christmas mean, I playlist. I think we absolutely do. We're getting, it's really getting thin out there for songs that can go on Christmas in the Heart playlist. So this is, yes, throw this on there. I don't care. And all I want to hear is Does this song work in the year of our Lord 2021? I think you have to say yes. Clearly, even though it was 1993 or whatever, uh, I saw this. I saw this thing on Tumblr that, like, I mean, we've all had this thought. We we all people of our age have already all had this thought, but it was like everyone I know over 18 thinks that 1980 was 20 years ago, and I was like, yeah, because that's what it, it's because it was. <laughs> so. I hear 93 and I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, like not that long ago. Not, not a big deal. deal. So for me, no. this feels relevant and today, uh, 1993 totally works. Yeah. I, I think that Michael Gray, that quote from him that you read at the beginning was really apt in that. It's so interesting because it's not like he did. He did so little to change it so much, which is really interesting. That's what I was trying to get at that. Like the song is deceptively simple. Um, it, yeah. He didn't change the lyrics, but the feeling is instantly changed by the music, and that's the power of music. Uh, that's the power so. Of I music. think that taking it and that even removes the malice from it for me. That's why my interpretation of it was I didn't immediately go to murder, even though you really easily could because the seeing red analogy. But I, I didn't see it as that. I really just saw it as a, a what do you say, like an older, 
he needed to be an older person with some perspective so he didn't just immediately become the cynical take on it. I, I, I agree, yeah, totally, and I, totally. I think that that gives it credence to you can put it anywhere because as long as you have... If yeah. somebody who's singing this song has that little bit of distance and, and wisdom, I guess, for lack of a better word, that you can make it uh, feel like any time. It's going to be evergreen. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, I think that this song is great. It's an incredible version. Um, I think Bob's version is just really, really good. And that's kind of rare sometimes where like Sacker Lee is not the best. Jack Rowe, not the best. You know, he doesn't he doesn't often excel at these. And sometimes they feel almost forced, but it's still Bob Dylan. So you kind of give it to him. But man, this song is great. And and then I think about our music video months. I mean, we've been doing this for five years and I'm like, thank God we have something to anchor this terrible music video month that we're doing this year because I mean, I wish we had watched this earlier and the song is fire. I wish that we were able to talk about this maybe with, with Stackley as well and kind of have this as a good reference point, but I'm fine with it being here. And I, you know, obviously we're just a random podcast, so we're just doing it as it comes. But, um, I do love that we did it eventually and, and it's a great video and I think it's one of his best and that makes it just last even longer. And who doesn't love Bob Dylan in a top hat that will always be an iconic look because he's great and he only does these looks one time and then he leaves them forever. We never get to have him anymore doing this kind of shit. So you take it, you never take it for granted and it's amazing. So 10 out of 10, nine out of 10, nine out of 10. (laughs) Kelly, did you know that we are also a real podcast? We're out there in the world. That's right. Um, You've got to listen to us talk about live Bob Dylan. You got to listen to us talk about music videos and stuff like that uh, over the last couple of months. If you love us, you can follow us at Facebook, at Twitter, at Instagram, at SOTW pod, at all of those places <laughs> that you congregate. We congregate. So many yes. ads. At, 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 and then one more at, at Patreon. We are at Patreon. Give us $1. Have an episode sponsored by you. You don't get to pick. Sorry, but you will always be a part of. But don't don't you want a little mystery in your life? Don't you want mystery? Yeah. Don't you want to? Do you want to? Maybe you'll get death. It's not the end. Or maybe you'll get like a Rolling Stone. I mean, isn't that life? That's life. Right. Kelly, we also, instead of uh, giving us a dollar, you can also listen to a public playlist we have on Spotify. You can search, see that my playlist is kept clean for the live version wherever we are in real time. Or you can go to our show notes at sotwpod.com for every all everything I just said, but also to find the individual playlist for each episode that we have. And this episode's playlist is pretty good, Kelly. I, I really yeah. enjoyed it. You added some good stuff, and I do have some questions. But first, welcome back to the playlist for the third time, the Mississippi Sheiks. Placebo for the fourth time. Hemoglobin is what you need. What is it for a steady heartbeat or whatever? Healthy heartbeat. For a healthy heartbeat. Sorry, not steady. Yeah. They're they don't care about How steadiness, just the healthy one. Uh her for the third time, Bloody Waters off her new record that just came out. Uh thrice for the sixth time. Sufjan Stevens for the fourteenth time. <laughs> Too much, which we have not actually done so far. So we are really I mean, we're not getting to the end. Sufjan's perfect and We'll see him a bunch more in Christmas time. We have an endless supply of Christmas songs from him. Uh, and then the Always. four tops for uh, th- third, the third time right before my eyes. That song is classic. Welcome to the playlist. Kelly, this was the best part about this entire playlist. The great minor threat. Uh, yeah. Seeing red. Um, it is the first time we've ever had him on the playlist. I just like, wow. I bl- it blew my mind. Um, for me, I, I grew up outside of DC. This is one of the most important bands of my entire life. 
complete discography. I mean, changed my life. I can't imagine my life without Minor Threat. And I can't imagine my life without Ian MacKay. Like not only from that, but also Embrace. Discord Records uh, house so many great albums like Rights of Spring, who yeah. have been on our playlist multiple times. And then finally, uh, coming down to Fugazi. I mean, Fugazi, another one of the most important bands of my life and so many people's lives. If it's not for Ian MacKay, who the fuck are we? <laughs> who the fuck? What is the 90s? You know, Fugazi is one of the best bands of all time. So, uh, yeah, thank you for putting Minor Threat. Uh, I didn't I didn't think of it that way with the red. I never even thought about Unwritten Law. I mean, I yeah. cannot believe well, it. Well, that's why I'm... When it was between, when I put in Sing Red, because I knew Im- immediately Chevelle and Unwritten Law came to mind, but I was like, come on, please be something better than that. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, Minor Threat, let's do that. Fucking <laughs> so, all right, well, Minor Threat's now on the head, so of course we're going to do, like, for the next 20 episodes, will just be Minor Threat songs, which is not <laughs> sad because they are very short. Um, but if you haven't listened to Minor Threat, go and do that now. Laura Jane Grace, for the first time, against me, is at nine. Oh. So it did, but uh, you know, uh, Blood and Thunder. I love the song Blood and Thunder. Great stuff. Um, as I mentioned before, JT, Funny Paper Smith, Hungry Wolf, and Bill Gaynor, Bloody Eyed Woman. So we talked about that earlier. They are on our playlist too. If you want to listen to them, you know, from the 30s. So good, good stuff. If you like that, possibly my favorite song on the playlist was fucking uh, Winoni Harris, Bloodshot yeah, Eyes. Pretty good. Uh, you chose a song called Platelet Ice, Henry Kaiser and David Lindley. Is a platelet? Is that like your eyes? What's what's a what's platelet ice? What was the point it's of that? It's part of blood. So that's why hemoglobin's part of blood. Platelets are part of blood. Plasma is part of blood. Oh, get Kelly, you're yeah. you're like on another layer here. <laughs> I thought I I know I got the, I well I don't think I got the plasma either. Yeah, I didn't really know why. Yeah, I went with blood components because I didn't want to just do blood over and over again. So I was like, what makes up blood? Here we go. All right, man. This is the my best my favorite part now about our playlist <laughs> is Kelly has decided to play ten dimensional chess, and I'm that's looking right. like the fucking idiot over here. Like, hey, this song says blood. Blood. So that's it. We're done. <clears throat> God, I'm a fucking idiot. Uh, Fiji Macintosh optic nerve. I mean, I got that one. I got that one. That's, there you go. Eyes, I understand right, that, yeah, yes. Perfect. Which, great, yeah. great song as well. That was awesome. Some 41, Blood in My Eyes. This was like a comeback song of theirs that apparently they wanted to come back with and it did not work out well. It was very weird to hear them for the first time. Yeah. When the song time. started, I did not anticipate, like, I, because I, you know, I don't even look at my phone. I just have the playlist going and I have my phone in my pocket. And then I was like, what the fuck is this? Oh, I mean, we just talked about AFI. Uh, a couple weeks ago, so I was like, "Is this what the what is this?" And then I was like, "Oh shit!" And they definitely got no more metal too. I kind of just forgot that that's definitely the direction that they went in. So, uh, sure, why not? Speaking of metal, maybe Slipknot, Eyeless. Uh, this <laughs> yes. unfortunately I'm mad about because it went onto my California playlist. Because... You can't see California without Marlon Brando's eyes. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Uh, it was actually not that bad. Actually, I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. I, I enjoyed listening to it. Let's be really honest. Right. Which makes me sick. And it- which we've avoided now. We've taken off Slipknot every time. So welcome to, I mean, this is the first <laughs> time they've ever been on. And I'm glad it was this song, honestly, yeah. instead of Shit, Pray, Love or whatever the song they they did they have. I mean, they all <laughs> shit, pray, shit, shit, pray, love. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like people equal pe- shit. People equal shit. Yeah, that's right. That's it. <laughs> Oh my god! I mean, come on. Where's the ship? Pray, love. Someone needs to do that song immediately. <laughs> Maybe they have. I, I didn't. We should look. Oh fuck! Uh, Together, Pangea for the first time. Plasma. That was pretty good. This is pretty my good. favorite song on the playlist. Easily, I've never heard of them before, and it's so catchy. Uh, they're they're a newer band, so it's clearly they're channeling like a retro vibe. But it like made me think of I don't know, like Buzzcocks, kind of like an older 
just like very cool 70s punk sound. I was like, hell. I yeah. would have guessed that this was like the Strokes, like it came out in the 2000s. With when the, the Garage, garage Band right. Revival, yeah, Wave. yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, it's. It sounds like it. So Yeah, this is from 20. Let me just check real quick. 20. And they don't have a lot of plays either, like relatively. So yeah, definitely listen to them. Get on the ground floor. Yeah. And spell it right together. Pangea, Pangea in capital letters, guys. Get it together. Yeah, God. Anyway. Great song. Anyways, that's the last one. (laughs) Great song, great playlist. uh, Kelly, we're also people in the world this week or two that we we took to do this. What what have you been doing out there in Portland? Now, we're talking in real time post the 115 degree, 200 people dead. Crazy shit. Did 200 people die? That's fucking intense. mm -hmm. So uh, first of all, just how did you survive that? And second, what did you do? once you knew you were going to live through it, <laughs> what did you what did you consume to celebrate? Yeah, I mean, I think we recorded on one of those days. I don't remember. I think it was like the 100 degree, but not the 115. Yeah. Or the 113. The, like, it was getting hot, but not that hot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my now wife, which is so weird to say, my oh wife, my, my two dogs, and I. Can't handle that. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, we piled into our office, which is because it's the smallest room in our house, oh, yeah, sans yeah. the podcast closet. We would not all fit in the podcast closet. Or if we did, it would not be great. Um, no. So we just hole up in uh, our office and had the air conditioner going. And I taped off the, like, the door kind of and just like we just put an air mattress in there and just lived in the office for a couple of days. <laughs> That's the only thing we could do. That's good. That's good. Well, I'm glad you survived. I mean, it's, I mean, it, I, I worry what would have happened last year where, you know, you, the old house, you were good in the, in that room, but I would have had to come in or something. Cause yeah, I, oh, mean, yeah. I tried to, I would always tough it out in the, in the, or our former pod. What do we call it? The pod. Oh shit. What do we call it? Oh, uh, the block house, the block. Ha- Fuck yeah. Kelly, the block house. <laughs> uh, I mean, I couldn't imagine how fucking terrible, that would have been. Yeah, that would have no, been you would have had to sleep in the, in the living room, or we would have put the little air conditioner in your bedroom, and we would have slept in the living oh, room. Oh, something either like way. that. Sure, I mean, that sure. would have been the only way to to do it. Yeah, or I would have just For jumped sure. into the ocean or something. I'm sure everybody went to the beach too. I'm sure it was a fucking nightmare. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah well, yeah. in between this time, you were. Uh... Yeah. So as has become the thing that I do, I didn't really listen to any music other than uh, Slater Kinney did a Riot Girl playlist takeover. So Spotify, you know, has a myriad of playlists. Um, and so they have a Riot Girl playlist, but I guess for Slater Kinney's new album, they did like a takeover. Um, and I, I think there were some omissions, but it's, it's generally good. I mean, six fucking hours. It, it's good. It, oh, they, wow. It's they, like that they, comprehensive. OK. Yeah. And they did a lot of like modern stuff, too. And they really hmm. took liberties with the Riot Girl, quote unquote. That I mean, Slater Kinney's the liberty. I mean, they they were the first one on the playlist. It's like, all right. Well. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they also like there's like a dude on there, which is like, hmm. OK, eh, OK, uh, but lots of. Uh, Kathleen Hanna in her various forms. Like, there's La Tigre and Kathleen Hanna and uh, fucking Bikini Kill. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, all right, cool. Fair enough. Uh, so that was, that was a fun lesson. Well, I didn't realize it was um, so comprehensive. I am definitely, I, yeah. I'm definitely going to listen to that now because I thought it was just like a, hey, we love Slater Kinney. Here's some of the best Riot Girl, right? And it's like, okay, well, I've heard probably a good chunk of those, but I thought it was oh, 30, yeah. 30 or so tracks. But yeah, no, I didn't no, realize six really hours. Hell yeah. All right, I'm, um, into that. I'm excited. There's definitely like a couple of Bratmobile tracks on there. Um, yeah. I don't think Excuse 17, which is uh, fucking Carrie Brownstein's first band, is on there. And I also don't think that uh, Corn Tucker's first band is on there. What's, oh my God, Heavens to Betsy. Yeah, I don't think those either are on there, which is strange. Maybe it's money thing. I mean, we talked talked about Bob Dylan being a kind of a, a dick when it comes to shit like that. 
I could imagine they're like, yeah, I don't want to split the money with someone else. So I'm not putting them on our playlist. I mean, maybe that would be I mean, that would be the lowest bummer in the world where it's like, you don't get to have one cent. It's like, <laughs> You're right. A fraction of a penny that's for so me. So let's hope, let's hope they were just like, no, we're going to, our friends over us, which I appreciate. So, yeah. Uh, so the only other thing I listened to was Tyler, the creator's new album. Yes. Uh, if you get lost, call me, I think is what it's called. Uh, or call me if you get lost. Sorry. It was pretty good. I listened to it like three or four times uh, just because it was really easy. Like, you know, you just I didn't even notice I had my thing on repeat and it's just really it, it flows really well together. I like it a lot better than Igor, which was the last one. Uh, mm. But I think Flower Boy is still better of the the, the recent three. Um, but it, it was a, a decent listen. I would say Wilshire is my favorite song. It's a, a really great, honest depiction of if anybody's ever tried to court someone who is already in a very serious relationship. Yes. Uh, I think there was it's a really good that song of, of is that kind of story. absolutely incredible. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's what, eight what minutes great, long and you don't long don't notice. You never notice because he just yeah. does the whole thing. And every time people flex like that is always great because a lot of Tyler stuff, too, is like it's the, the beats are amazing. Very cerebral, very the, the 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 guests feel organic. It all feels really good. Every song flows into the other. You kind of forget you're listening to like a you know different songs in a way. It's just one big piece, and then all of a sudden you get Tyler coming out and just like here's eight minutes, and mm-hmm. it's not just like eight minutes of like fluff. It's eight minutes of a great story. That yeah. you, I mean, I'm invested in them, and even at the end where he's just like you know I'll always love you, and it just didn't work. Well, out. Well, and he's like self-aware and trying to stay objective which is like when you're older and looking back on the situations or if you're in it and you're older he's like i'm in the wrong like he says that multiple times like i'm a bad person for doing this which is that you don't usually get that in like the scandalous cheating songs it's usually just like don't let your man know that we're doing this behind his back where he's like this is not great but i don't know what else to do because i love you so right uh good stuff cool good stuff and then I, I watched a bunch of movies i can't remember most of them except for yesterday because it was yesterday uh i just put on sleeping beauty because uh station and i were talking about how that that uh movie has the worst disney movie has the Original. worst songs yeah yeah from oh, 1959 wow, okay. 59 yeah, yeah. yeah has the worst songs in it and yeah. i was like i don't remember is it that the one that has that I know you I've walked with you once upon a dream. Yes, it is from that movie. And they wow. do it four or five times during the movie. What? So there's really only like two songs in that whole movie. That one really? five times and another one. It's really boring. It's only like an hour ten minutes long. Hmm. Uh but not good. Uh the animation is beautiful though, like all the yeah. older uh, Disney movies. And The Sword of the Stone, same exact fucking movie. The bad witch turns into a dragon, and there's magical squirrel. It's like the same exact movie, but better. So, Sword of the Stone. If you want to watch the Beauty, just watch Sword of the Stone. It's a better movie. Um, Hot take. And they <laughs> we watched uh, the Tomorrow War because Amazon wouldn't let. Oh, not oh, I know, watch dude. It. Are you kidding me? My my watch grandma's it? watching Endeavor, and all I see are ads. The same ad. I'm like, wait, those are different films. No, that's one ad that's taken over the whole screen. And I was like, that's Chris Pratt's face. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. No, I so I have not watched it. I don't think I ever would watch it. But yeah, no, it's was not it, good. We knew it wasn't okay. going to be good. Uh, but it, Amazon wouldn't let me not watch it. But yeah, so if like I don't love Chris Pratt. Like uh, you know, we all know that Chris Pratt's I not know, the best dude after no, everything. No, I know, I know. This movie completely like exemplifies, typifies whatever the right word is what you don't like about Chris Pratt. He is playing himself in this movie. So he's just like generic hero guy. Could have been John Cena. In fact, I like John Cena more now than Chris Pratt, which is a bummer. So like 
it yeah, just like I'm the hero straight it's weird to see him play a straight man because he should never ever do that um and yeah so it's just like a dumb action movie but they didn't pretend it to not be anything but a dumb action movie which is good um, I respect that I guess like yeah, they're not trying uh, to be the, guardians right I mean because yes, I'm excited for yes. guardians three regardless of Chris, right. Chris Pratt's great right. in that, and I'm excited because he's also one of the funniest fucking people that I've ever had the pleasure to laugh at. I know. At. It just it doesn't make sense. There's like this real cognitive dissonance moment where it's like, how can that dude be this? How are you Andy Dwyer? I don't understand. How are you Andy Dwyer? Yeah. So weird. Anyway, so yeah, it's whatever. Oof. It's like two and a half hours long because all movies are two Dude, and a half hours no, long now and it's just no, like not, no. not great. It's like time travel and aliens, which I was like, okay, I love a shiny sci-fi movie, but even that just wasn't i'm worth it so pass pass for sure but i did watch an excellent movie which was a documentary about the wrecking crew from 2008 do you know who the wrecking crew is the the, the muscle shoals okay not muscle shoals but okay. but yeah there were there were session musicians yeah uh that right. did basically the backing for every fucking song that came out between 1950 and 1980 like oh my god they it was like a kind of a revolving expanding and collapsing group of about 40 40 ish at its height musicians not that all of them were on all the tracks there was right, basically right. like the revolving dozen people that were the main ones who are the ones so the it, the movie is made by uh denny tedesco who is the son of tommy tedesco who passed away in like 2004 i don't remember uh but he tommy tedesco specifically was like the guitarist for all of the things yeah. in the whole so the wrecking crew did everything literally elvis Glenn Campbell was part of the Wrecking Crew before he did his own solo stuff. Beach Boys, Sinatra, like literally think of any album, like the Crystals, the Ronettes, the every, all the Phil Spector Wall of so Sound, all the Wrecking Crew, like Amazing. literally every person, it, like every single hit was them. Uh, the Beach Boys, I was the most uh, wowed by because I didn't realize they didn't play their own stuff. And they did. They When they went on tour live, they they, they did all their, it's not like they weren't musicians. And, and Brian Wilson composed yeah. All of the songs. But he was like, I just want this to be perfect, and I right. know that they're perfect. Brian was getting a little bit more complex in his, in his arrangements, and it just got to be too too difficult to, to, to coordinate our itineraries, and that's when the wrecking crew stepped in. When I heard that some of the guys sat in for some of the Beach Boys, that surprised me. But in truth, at that point, the Beach Boys were Brian Wilson. He created it all. So, uh... The other standout person to me was was Carol Kay because she was the only woman in the whole thing, of course. But she is the reason that baseline in Good Vibrations mm -hmm. is her. She's the reason that it even exists. She came up with that. That wasn't even Brian Wilson. That was her coming up with that. And it's just like Iconic. so she was a bassist. Iconic, she was yeah. an electric guitarist too, but she was also primarily a bassist and just yeah. like And she was way ahead of her time. She would play a tonic and a fifth or a third instead of a fifth. You know, she's one of the first bass players to start playing that way. But he definitely wrote out some neat lines on the bass, like, for instance, I'd have never played that. I'll just go into this. That's a jazz walking line. You knew that this kid was into something really, really great. It was so great Dude, to watch. So it was less cool. than two hours. Yeah, the what is it group. on? Netflix? Uh, it was on the Roku channel <laughs> for free. Oh, Herp Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. And the Brass. Tijuana Brass, <laughs> Brass Band, yes. 
<laughs> he, th- that was all them. Sure. All sure. them. Okay, and it was okay. so funny. The very first thing they were like, this guy came in who was just a trumpet player who couldn't pay us scale. He couldn't even pay us the minimum required <laughs> amount. Right. And then that record we made for him sold a million copies. Like, oh my like, God. So, but, but that guy, Herb Albert, he went back and paid everybody that made the record with him, which is very cool. But it's just so funny thinking about porno and then being like this little guy that no one's ever heard of. Sure. No, and he's super, super, super fucking famous. I mean, I don't know him. I mean, that music yeah. is not in our lives at well, all. Well, if like, you've ever seen Angry Beavers, that was my touchstone to them because they did the theme see, song for Angry Beavers. So it's like, Amazing. Yeah. Well, that reminds uh, me of, I don't know if you've, uh, you probably didn't watch the country music thing with, with Ken Burns, but there's a sort of Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson was like a down on his luck writing songs or whatever. And there's a song, I think it's called Four Walls. And it ended up, he just wrote these songs and he just gave them to his friend and he just paid off his, his bar tab, you know, probably a hundred dollars or something like that. And then this song went on to be the biggest song of the year in 1956 or whatever, sold a million copies. And he went back to Willie again and was like, Willie, your, your songwriting is incredible. Do you have any other songs? And he gives him the song and he reads the song and he puts it down and he says, dude, no, I'll record this, but we're going 50-50. Like, you're too talented to just have me come and take your bar tab from you yeah. and you write these incredible songs. Willie, do it for yourself. And I was like, dude, that's great. And and Herb Albert, right, coming in and saying, thank you. Here's all, you know, here's the royalties from it. I couldn't have done it without you. And yeah. being real about it is great. So it's uh, it's definitely worth a watch. Okay, well, I'm definitely going to watch that. That sounds very cool. awesome. And like when we've talked about uh, studio musicians so much, on our show just because you know bob is only one person and he needs them um it, yeah it was just uh i was just aghast multiple times then every name they said the next person just like literally thousands of albums it was all these people just like insane. i insane. would bet a hundred dollars too i mean there's probably a hundred dylan connections as well either yeah, either musicians I- directly or some indirect way, you know, I mean, especially in the city, if they're in Nashville, which I assume they probably are. No, they were all, all see, that's the thing. Okay. So why they're called the wrecking crew is music at that, like the, in the fifties was all recorded in New York or in Nashville. And these people were like, they all wore suits. They were all a very specific type of professional that if you didn't fit in this little mold, they wouldn't work with you. Like if you weren't, if you didn't have your sheet music, if you didn't know exactly what you wanted them to play, if they, there was no artistic liberties, it was, I am only playing what you tell me to play. So people were like, fuck this, man. I like, I need somebody who, to collaborate with. So everybody went out to California to start making music. And that's where they were. They, it was all LA based. So these people, they were the first ones to like play music, wearing jeans and smoking cigarettes and oh hanging out and being friends. <laughs> like they sure. were just like hanging out. They were just musicians that were ready to do whatever they wanted to and make almost nothing to do it, you know, money wise until they got, you know, the, the claim that they did. But like, sure. Yeah, sure. it was, they were called the wrecking crew cause they were going to wreck music as we know it, because they, they took all the class out of it. They took out of all the, like, so it was well Bob didn't do anything until 78 I think with the rundown studios and and street legal so yeah he might not have actually ever interacted with them to be really honest so yeah because he was uh, all in New York right because he was all in New York and Nashville so yeah and but he used those Nashville musicians who you can do a whole whole thing on them as well you know the the people he worked with were some of the best in the world as well but I love that that's cool I'm into that yeah because it's them it's Nashville like uh, whatever they call it, Nashville, the the Nashville sound. I mean, basically yeah. the the idea. And then Muscle Shoals. I mean, are super famous to this day. Yeah, and there's a documentary about that that I'm gonna watch next. So I just didn't have and time. Bob will be featured. So Bob went there to do Slow Train Coming, and Slow Train Coming is like an amazing sounding record. Anything else, Kelly? No, that's it. Okay, how are you? What did you do? 
I read, you know, books. I was reading <laughs> books about about Illinois in the 1700s. So sure. in between those books that I was reading and just papers and stuff like that, it's been nice. It's been nice to listen to some music. So I listened to some atmospheric music. We've talked a lot about different types of atmospheric type of music. Well, just music to, you know, do while you're doing other stuff. And, you know, I love me some jazz. I love that kind of stuff. But I also love me some atmospheric sludge metal, you know, death metal, stuff like that. So there's a band called Hurry Up Brothers. There's an album called All Is Beautiful. I'm Okay to Be Alive. I'm Okay to Die, which very much sounds like um, that other band, you know, the TBSIT, whatever oh, it is. Um, the, the world the is beautiful, beautiful and I'm, and I'm no not longer afraid to die. Afraid to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I immediately thought of that and I was like, what is this band? Oh, it's just like a explosions in the sky, you know, very beautiful, very atmospheric. And then I listened to a couple of jazz stuff. Uh, there's a, there's a jazz musician. Her name is uh, Cheryl Cassidy. The album's Fearless. Really good. Uh, Charles Mingus. They came out with like a three hour 20 minute songs like every song is 20 minutes uh, of him in Germany from 1964 and 1975 so two shows how do you play for 25 minutes I still don't really understand jazz on that level like the endurance <laughs> that it takes um, and then there's another guy who just came out with a record last year called uh, Ambrose Akin Missouri um, it's on, the album's called On the Tender Spot of Every Calloused Moment and I really loved it because it like melded a lot of different flavors together but then I got to rate your music and it's like avant-garde okay sure but then it's like post-bop everything is post-bop and i'm like post-bop means nothing to me i i I listen to all these different types of jazz and everything's post-bop and i'm like i just need to do more research and i just don't know how to do it so (laughs) you wouldn't like it kelly because there's a lot of screeching sure yeah so there are but it's good i mean i like it it's great um in between that time also i've been listening to a lot of playlists i brought it up multiple times but uh hannah faptu rakib he has a website 68 205.com where he's writing essays about 1968 to 2005 in music so anything in between those time frames you can write about it you can be a guest SAS you can make a playlist be a part of this program I love it I listen to 1982 1984 and 1985 playlists I'm on 1987 I gotta tell you I'm not a huge fan of the 80s some of the stuff is quite hard to listen to but some of it's really good so I'm definitely um freeing my mind a little bit new albums from free throw piecing it all together modest mouse came out with a new album oh yeah called the golden casket quite strange i don't know what i think about it her which you have not listened to back in my mind uh very long too long you could say fucked up came up out with a new album called year of the horse really good but is uh monetized for spotify it is uh one minute long songs about 65 songs total they all of the song titles are just track one track two track three there's four acts so you listen to them on different eps and they're basically just designed you know because you get money for every click so they're getting 60 listens not you know 12 songs they're getting gotcha so i'm like it's fine it because it all molds together so it you know you don't think about it too much but it's like this is a bitch to try to save like oh i like this song and you don't ever feel that way like oh i really like that oh there's not really a song it's just one minute one minute two minutes 30 seconds 40 seconds very cool but the whole thing blends together really beautifully and it's about an hour and a half it's a long thing but it's really good uh lucy dacus uh one third of boy genius came out with a new record a home video which is really beautiful then staples came out with a new album that's only 20 minutes long because that's awesome and i love that and it's really good I re-listened to Thrice based on our playlist. Palms is, is really good. And I'm listening to Curtis Mayfield. I'm just going through his entire discography, independent of my projects. And finally, I want to shout out Barack Obama's summer playlist. Guess who's on there? <laughs> Bob Dylan. <laughs> I'll be your baby tonight. So he's like in the John Wesley Harding 
mode, which I appreciate. Good job, Barack. We love it. Um, we've never listened to I'll Be Your Baby Tonight, although we did probably hear it. You might not remember it on episode 26 when we did the Rolling Thunder review. It was on there. So Definitely don't remember. Yeah. So someday, someday you'll listen to that and we'll talk about <laughs> Barack Obama and we'll just do a big history of his presidency great. and we'll see what, what's good. Yeah, great. <laughs> Look forward to that. All right, Kelly, this is the end of the episode. We have 359 songs left. <laughs> Kelly, we were at like 400 before. So, you know, time has passed and now we're, get, we're getting down. We're getting down. You might be thinking that we're finally going to do Most of the Time, one of Bob Dylan's best songs. Not a great video, but a great song. We could do Political World, which is also not a great song or a great video. We could be doing a genuinely great song, Visions of Johanna, who had a cool promo video for the Bootleg Series Volume 12. And you're thinking, I can't wait. This is great. I'm into music video month. And this is where we at SOTW Pod hear you. And I'm going to give you a minor song from 1964 that he only recorded as a Whitmark demo instead. Yeah. And I say this with direct defiance and maybe a bit of ill will. That's what we're going to talk about next week. Guess I'm doing fine. Guess like guess jeans. Guess I'm doing. Guess I'm doing guess fine. I'm doing guess fine. I'm doing fine. Okay. I guess I'm doing fine. So you can already kind of see what this song's gonna. You just basically got the song right there. <sighs> it's about guess jeans. Yes, I understand. Uh, it's about guess jeans. We're gonna talk about um, Anna really? Nicole Smith. Yes. Wait, no. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, really? This is an Anna Nicole Smith podcast now. <laughs> All right, so we will be doing the, I like it, it's not bad, this is great, it's Bob and a guitar, it's, it's him doing a, a demo version of a very forgettable song in between some monster masterpieces. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that and we'll do, guess I'm doing fine. And then we'll continue our road to hopefully get to 20 episodes hey! this year, like we did last yeah! year. So. We're, we're like, we're above pace and then we're about to take a step back because life is in here. Is getting in the way. People need jackhammers so. and Not getting fun. married and all kinds of dumb stuff. I mean, parents are coming and I'm leaving yeah. and yeah, coming back. So yeah, it's gonna be fun. So we will see. I'll see you next time though. Okay, we'll talk bye. more about it. Peace. Yes, Jimmy.